0: You're about to get lucky with the Bare Naked Money podcast, the show that gives you the naked truth about personal finance with your hosts, Josh Shellick and Colin White, portfolio managers with Veracan Capital Management, Inc. Welcome to the next episode of Bare Naked Money, where we get naked and talk about money, at least figuratively speaking anyway. Uh, Josh and Colin coming at you this week. It's been a while since Josh and I have recorded together, so we it. Uh, it's it's going to be extra special. We I mean, have all kinds of extra things saved up. Right, Josh?
1: You got it. We've been taking a couple months off just banking up uh, extra special things for the audience. So
0: yeah. we're coming so, at Josh you. Is, Josh has come back with the five key stories that everybody needs to know about right now and what our fresh take is on them, right? These are the top five stories. That's what you pick, Josh? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Something like that. Top five stories in our mind. Uh, that's for oh, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, you might see the audience or, or sorry, uh, the media take a, a different take on what the top five stories are, but we, as we do, we take our own unique take on things. So these are our our top fives.
0: Well, there there is some meat upon the bone, as it were.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So I'm going to hit you right off the bat, Colin, with a good one. So as we've been talking about, uh, there's been two consecutive quarters of negative GDP in Canada. Marginally so. Just, just, just negative. Well, my question for you is, is it possible that we've just experienced the, the recession, the recession for this cycle and in this technical recession, and that we just returned to growth from here because we're
0: just negative
1: now. So could we go back to growth?
0: Well, the, the answer is yeah, we could. Now, The technical recession you're referring to, which is something we've, we've chatted about is in the margin of there. Like, you know, we could call this a recession that 18 months now, you know, have these numbers restate that realize that it really wasn't a recession. But, you know, have we seen a slowdown? Yeah. And we're, we waiting for a slowdown like that. That's why needed to happen. Is this slowdown sufficient enough? I don't think that the label of being a recession and non-recession is as valuable as to, was it enough of a slowdown or not enough of a slowdown? Because that's what we're looking for. We're looking for things to slow down to a point we think they're sustainable. Well, the whole point of what we're going through right now is trying to slow the economy down to a sustainable pace. So it's called tapping the brakes, if you will. So have we tapped the brakes well mm -hmm. enough to allow growth to resume? And when you say growth resume, what do you think normal growth should be, Josh? What growth do you think when we get to resume growth? What is resuming growth look like to you?
1: Well, I guess we could talk all day about what the right amount of growth is. I guess the sense of the question is just, do we get back to positive from here?
0: I, I think there's a possibility that we could. Now, the, 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 the problem in Canada specifically is the consumer debt situation and more specifically mortgages with regards to debt. Now, right now, it's set to be an apocalyptic couple of years as a bunch of these mortgages come due if everything else remains constant, it's going to be pretty painful. Now, yeah, we see enough of a slowdown that central bank policy begins to reverse and that is a reflected and an easing further at the yield curve. And these renewals are not as bad as we think they're going to be right now. If, if, if I think I like there was six ifs there in a row, if that all lines yeah. up, then we could be just fine on its current trajectory. If that doesn't change. I still see that as a really major risk because broke people and people who are in bankruptcy don't buy much stuff.
1: Yeah, so that's all fair. This isn't one of my five questions, but I have another question for you. (laughs) So I'm I'm cheating a bit here. (laughs) Have we even seen a recession? Is is this really what a recession is?
0: Again, the, the challenge with the. We haven't seen it reflected in the jobs numbers, and that's the part that people will most talk about, most feel it has the biggest impact, the direct impact on just people in general. Absent it being reflected in jobs numbers, it hasn't seemed like it. But does that mean that we haven't actually slowed the economy? No, we may have slowed it without going through as much jobs pain as would normally have been expected. And it could have been that we had such, such a great number of of available jobs when this started, that the actual, again, I haven't checked the numbers for number of unfilled positions, because that came very close to equaling the number of people looking for work, you know, within the last 18 months. I haven't checked to see, but it could be that we just have a more reasonable number of jobs unfilled now than we did, you know, go back 18 months or two years. So it, it may have fixed itself without having as much of a in-your-face people kind of impact that we would normally expect to see when the economy is slowing down.
1: Yeah. It, you said there, it certainly doesn't feel like we've gone through a recession. To me. And and, well, and a big part of that is the unemployment, I think, too.
0: I think a big part of it, too, is it's been made into this big boogie monster. Like, we're going to have a recession, and your nose is going to fall off your face, and you won't be able to see and. Like, it's this big, hairy monster that, and we haven't seen a big, hairy thing. Like, you know, I, mean, I, I think to a certain extent, the recession may have too good of a marketing effect. The recession has been oversold, and it hasn't lived up to the hype. Therefore, people are going, that wasn't such a big deal. So it could be that whole expectations game that we keep coming back to, the expectations game. It wasn't as bad as people expected it might be. I mean, gas prices have come down. Oil prices are reasonable because like there's, there's lots of other things that are very much in the reasonable range. The one exception is it still it's happening with more materials.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So here, here's question 1B or one Z or I don't know what number, but who's okay. counting it? It's our, it's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. That's so, right. <laughs> is it possible that the bear market that we experienced last year, and we did see a 20% correction in global stock market. Is it possible that that was it for this cycle that sort of preceded the recession that we're seeing this, and we continue to hit new highs over the next few years from here on capital investment part?
0: Are we ever going to retrace the lows that we saw? It's really tough to say. Like I said, I think we have a few more things that have to play out. I think it's reasonable to expect that, yeah, we were anticipating a recession that may or may not have happened. We may or may not need one now, but you know, I don't think that there's the same belief that we need a recession at this point. I, mean, I think early on in this correction cycle, you know, the impression was we need to see a major recession in order for this to right itself. I'm not reading that now. I'm not seeing that as you know, a prevailing wisdom, if you will, for what it's worth. So yeah, could we, you know, slowly trundle upwards from here? Yeah, that, that, that absolutely I think is possible, but it's, you know, Again, and I've said it before, and I think more yeah, people are saying it now. Is this is what a soft landing might feel like. We, we hold it out as something that's, oh, it'd be so nice to have a soft landing. No, it's just really uncomfortable because you're afraid you're going to fall more. Like you kind of hit the ground, you kind of think everything's okay, but is this really it? Like, it, and I think that it, it's, it's almost more uncomfortable than if we had had a full blown recession and we saw unemployment go to eight or 9%, and we saw all the stuff that we, were, we thought we were going to see, and then we we're on the other side. This is almost a little freakier. It's almost like you're in your house. and somebody came home late and they're trying to sneak in the house and they're tr- and by sneaking in the house, you can't really tell somebody came in the house. So they make little noises and you think those little noises could be something bigger and they're not like do- if they just walked into the house and made the full amount of noise and you knew it was over, see, you'd be fine. But it's the little squeaky noises. Like what was that? Is that a thing? Do we have to pay attention? That like, means that that's how it looks to me.
1: Well, yeah, it's almost like you're you're more suspicious because you're sneaking into the house. Like <laughs> if it was me, a teenager coming home and like sneaking into the house, trying not to make any sounds as I'm turning the key in the door. Yeah. And then exactly. You as a parent are like, "What the hell is going on? Like, something, something's going on here." Whereas if you just came into the house normally and made normal sounds, you'd probably go back to sleep and not think a second of it,
0: right? <laughs> no, no, I really think that's kind of what we're going through. Yeah, I think that, uh, and I. Yeah that, that just descended right now, that, that way of explaining it, but that that's exactly how I think it feels. Yeah. So, is this over? Is that the last, is there going to be another noise? Right?
1: Yeah. So it's funny, you mentioned, we maybe don't need to have the recession that we thought we needed to have last year, perhaps. And, and this was really all a story of infl- uh, inflation, right? So we needed to have an inflation because that's what we needed to bring inflation under control. So that feeds into my next question quite well. This is question number two for those oh. who back. <laughs> <laughs> what was inflation in fact
0: transitory? Well there's a yes no question. I'll say yes. But not only. Like define transitory. Transitory over six months, six years, sixty years. In the long run, everything is transitory. You know, This is where people try to put labels on things. So we saw this happen. We saw the the, the global shutdown. We saw onshoring. We saw all of the, you know, just in case manufacturing instead of just in time. We saw all of these fundamental changes to the system based on the shock to the system. And we saw ridiculous. Sorry, ridiculous might be a stretch. We saw accommodative monetary strategies throughout the world that and just borderline ridiculous. We can say they're (laughs) bordering on ridicule. I think so. I I think they they, they might've been right, right at the time when the whole world is panicked and everybody needs a hug. Maybe it needed that, right? That's, that's all I'm going to say. But on top of everything else, it was kind of, you know, in hindsight, it's easy to say this in hindsight, it was inevitable. You were going to see a bump inflation. So to the extent the monetary policy contributed to that. This change of monetary policy should be contributing to fixing it. so monetary policy, by definition is transitory, right Well
1: yeah yeah <laughs> I, I got to call you out. I think you just fell into the hindsight bias trap saying that inflation was inevitable, uh, you know because look we we could have looked back at all of the, the monetary policy and fiscal policy over the last 15 years and said that it it was apparently inflationary, but it took so long, and it really was that COVID. Policy that nudged things finally into an inflationary stance. So I don't think it was inevitable. Maybe, maybe it was, but we,
0: we will never know. I, I, I think that, you know, again, I was reading a, a backward looking piece and they were talking about back in 2008 when it just effectively went to zero and then stayed there all the time. The whole time everybody was looking and kind of waiting for any kind of inflation shock.
1: Yeah. Because
0: yeah. it's hard to give your monetary stance, just because you want to be responsible. That doesn't get you very many votes. So there was probably somebody somewhere in the room was watching for any side of a glitch to kick in and it never showed up. So, so for whatever combinations of reasons. So whether that was an elastic band that was getting stretched or whether it was something that was building up uh, and then it manifested itself. And again, the, the pandemic was the unlocker of the whole box of Ted done. Inflation, you know. Uh, Again, yeah, I think this is something that they're going to teach courses on at universities when as it plays out. I think it's a, an amazingly nuanced thing. Were parents of a transitory? Were some of the were some of the the drivers transitory for sure? Some of the stuff, the lockdowns during the, the pandemic, some of those actual policies, both well, you know, both within the country and, and internationally, were absolutely contributing to this. And those policies went away. Ergo, if they were transitory. The they'll be a it. they start all with a whole bunch of other things and gain the momentum of itself. Yeah.
1: The the rhetorical question you asked back at the start of that that, that commentary, I think, is the relevant one. Is like, what is transitory? What what how short does a time period need to be for it to be transitory? And this is it go, comes back to the same thing. When you make a, a change in an investment portfolio, for example, or somebody calls for a bear market or a recession. At some point, yes, there is going to be a bear market. There is going to be a recession. But at some point, you're you're too early for it to be really a, a right call. So I don't know. For, for me, was it transitory? Probably not. I, I think it stuck around a little bit longer and it was a little bit more impactful than we could call it transitory. But if you look back 10 years from now in this period of time and and look at the inflation data, it was what, 18 months when it was like pretty highly elevated, you probably would look back at that with no context on the time and say, yeah, that was, that was just transitory. It
0: was just a blip. So we'll we'll see. I think also, it also depends on how you define the word because I think Tiff Mackin would define the word as not my fault and I don't have to do anything about it, (laughs) you know, I I think that's how he was using the word. It was inflation thing is transitory meaning it wasn't my fault and I don't have to fix it and which eventually he changed his mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, news flash, Tiff. it might not be your fault, but you do
0: have to fix it. <laughs> it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility.
1: Yeah, it's not your fault, but it is your problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, welcome to being a Paris. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: okay, so, so my third one here feeds into both those first two questions. Are bonds a better investment than stocks for the next five years?
0: Oh. See, you, know, you, you, you want the sound bite, you want the 10 word answer. Well, it depends. What are you trying to get done? If it's about, if it, if you're talking about pure grace, as far as on mm-hmm. a uh, risk-adjusted basis, then can you, you know, is it reasonable to expect? Yeah, you know, they're going to be way healthier than they were. Uh, that's my expectation. They're, they're way healthier than they were, but uh, the stock market's also trading below peaks It's okay. good room to go get back to where it was and, you know, if we do feel that we don't need a recession anymore, that begins to, to, to pan out. And the stock market could also take off. But if we keep elevated interest rates at the longer end of the curve, okay. the bond market is going to be more of a competitor Inter- for capital than the equity market is used to. So it could become a self-fulfilling prophecy a little bit. It goes, to the extent we see stronger returns in bonds, that's going to actually put a bit of a cap on sectors and the stock market, like, you, know, you don't see pressure hardly anymore. Uh, you know, all the interest rate sets of the staff is, is going to struggle as that headwind, if that remains. So it's almost a self-reliant prophecy. I think it's, you know, I'm happier and we internally have more of a leading at fixed income, than I'm happier with fixed income than I have been in 15 years as an asset class, as far as having a reasonable expectation from this point forward that you can maintain purchasing power using a fixed income portfolio. And I think we're back to more normal investment types.
1: Yeah. It, interest. It makes sense that you're happier than in
0: 15 years because interest rates are higher than they've been in
1: over that 15 year period of time. Really. So. There's an
0: alternative, right? Yeah. yeah. If the blog title was, you know, again, I've sat through, you've sat through presentations where people try to convince us that balanced mutual funds are actually bonded it, and you know, we twist ourselves into a pretzel because the bond market is so yeah. shitty. You know, we, well, if we do X, Y, and Z, and yeah. like, well, that's not a bond. i say, well, yes, but bond-like returns. I mean, I, I stopped seeing those presentations, you know, over the last little while, so that makes my head a little bit happier. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's a bit more traditional from that perspective. Yeah. And with the expectation, I think a realistic expectation, yeah. since we do tend to swing, swing the pendulum on either side, that we, yeah. we could see a period of decreasing interest rates sometime in the next yeah. number of years. That adds additional fuel or expectations into your portfolio that you could actually see some capital appreciation as well. You know, so I think that's a real possibility that again, we haven't seen it poisoned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I was coming from with the question is if you see interest rates pull back a little bit, then you give a little bit more juice potentially to the bond side of the portfolio. And with interest rates on government bonds in the four, the four and a half ish percent range. And um, a bit of a spread to corporate bonds, and you could easily see five, six, seven, maybe percent yeah. returns over five years. Uh, maybe not easily seven, but it's not out of the realm of possibility at this point. And if you think that equity markets are maybe a little bit on the high side of valuations, maybe they're, uh, the returns there are a little bit lower over the next five years. So it's it's possible. It's possible. It's not. Not, not, not impossible, but uh, certainly for me, I'd, I'd still stick with the
0: probability that equities are going to do better over five years, just because that tends to be what happens. Echo a question. Can I echo a question back at you? I'll allow it. Thank you. We've, we have apparently experienced an increased correlation between equities and bonds over the last number of years. Is this something that we're going to continue to experience, or are we going to get back to having it be more valuable as a diversifier than it maybe has been for the last 8, 10 years?
1: I, I would go with the side of, again, historically, tendency-wise, they tend to be a bit better diversifier than they have been over the last, uh, last couple of years, for sure. So I would expect to get back to that now that interest rates, again, have come up a little bit but it's not unusual to see bonds and stocks have a slightly positive correlation so we did go through a, a, a long period of time there in sort of the, the 2000s and 2010s where the, the correlation was slightly negative between the two so they acted as better diverse buyers but we have gone through long stretches historically where there are slightly positive correlations as well so I think they will be better, especially when you look at last year. Like 2022 was just a, a terrible year for both stocks and bonds, which is highly, highly unusual. So I don't think that that's going to be the norm going forward. I don't think we've established a new precedent or a new trend or anything there. I think that they will be better diversifiers on that going forward, but maybe not
0: as good as they have been over the last
1: 20 years on average.
0: Well, yeah, I guess maybe with bond interest rates have, you know, have gone as low as they went, they were not behaving in, in, a, in a similar way to maybe what they once were. So, so maybe that's it. Maybe this is just you know, moving back to having things you know, into more of a normal, more of a normal place. We can see some of that stuff come back.
1: Yeah, I think anytime you see interest rates go up five percent over the course of a pretty short period of time, that's gonna be a tough market for bonds, without a doubt. And highly likely to be a tough market for stocks as well. So that would be a, a potential time frame where it's the, the diversification aspect is not going to be there again. But but still, I, I I still wouldn't expect us to go back to 2022 scenario where both are down. Yes, you know, I think bonds last year were down 12 13 percent, and stocks globally were down 20 or so at one point throughout the year. So I I'd be surprised if if that type of Environment occurred again for a calendar.
0: You have my permission for question four, or all right, all right. question Wonderful. beta, or the triangle <laughs> question, or whatever, however you're numbering it.
1: Okay, is oil being down when there is this really significant war going on in the Middle East? Is it the most unpredictable financial story of the year?
0: Well, wow, well, that's a high bar. You now, if you were going to say, is the odd story? Yes. Is it the most odd? Well, Bitcoin's a thing again. You know, I find it that odd. I don't know. Is you know. okay. So let's take those two.
1: What's more surprising to you that oil would be down in the face of Middle East conflict and actual outright war, or that Bitcoin is at whatever 38,000 or
0: whatever it is. I think yeah. on a rational, I mean, because of oil, i was just going to say oil behaves more rationally. And then I checked myself. No, it really doesn't.
1: No, it does. <laughs> I think that's true. But
0: also, yeah, the more rationally than Bitcoin. Okay, yes. Yeah. I, uh, Rel- relatively stick to speaking. That. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's compared to Bitcoin, oil is rational. But no, it's, it is surprising for sure that we are going through this time of TOLT in so many ways that seem to be sitting right on the doorstep of all of the oil producing nations with the potential to disrupt all kinds of things. And we're not seeing, we're mm-hmm. not seeing the market react to that, Yeah. Now it could be that the whole Russia Ukraine thing, cause right. I, I was reading recently where Russia is actually agreeing to ship gas and things again. You yeah. know, it could be that they recognize these are, there is a recognition that this global strife, there's still a fundamental underlying self-interest in maintaining oil, oil markets mm-hmm. and no, nobody's going to Put themselves in a position where they're not taking in revenue is seeming to be where we have got so maybe the expectation is is like yeah you go to little war you want but in order to fund all these wars they're gonna have to keep selling oil maybe how it's being looked at but i would think that is certainly short term because man the short term oil market has been some of the more knee jerkier you know, markets that i've seen over time i mean anything that allows the price of a commodity to go negative if that's, you know, it, it, it must have moments of being disconnected from reality for sure. Okay. So yeah, yeah, that is, that probably sure. would rank as one of the more fundamental big surprises that that goal didn't go to $5,000 an ounce as many my as face told me it was going to. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's another one that hasn't. But
1: what, what kind of friend do you have?
0: <laughs> I, I try to keep my mind open to all different yeah. points too, because every once in a while they say something smart.
1: Yeah. yeah. It, it just, I, if you give. People, the facts ahead of time Israel and Palestinian state are going to be in a major conflict. Iraq's going to be involved in some way, shape, or form. Well, Lebanon's, Lebanon's got some stuff yeah, going
0: on over like the government. border, like Lebanon's firing yeah. rockets.
1: Yeah, e- e- Egypt now has some stuff going on. So, like, that whole little circle is just in absolute chaos right now. And then oil is hitting four month lows last week. It just, it's just. I don't want to say it's mind blowing because we expect stuff like this. We see stuff like this all the time when it comes to, to financial markets. But this would just, I would, I would say, if you said before, I actually was able to observe the price of oil, what's the percentage chance that oil is going to be up when you have a conflict like this? I'd say 90%.
0: That's you know, would have said a hundred think-
1: no, I'm I, sure. I'm not, just... I don't think I would say there's not too many things I'd say a hundred percent about, especially about when it comes to this type of thing, but I don't know, ninety, ninety five, ninety eight, 95, 98, yeah. maybe like highly, yeah. highly, highly probable that oil would have been up and it's just
0: yeah. not, it's crazy. And, and as, well, this is the fundamental bedrock of how we manage money. Like there's lots of stuff you don't know. Like, and and trying to treat any of these as things that you can actually use this investment thesis is just tragic. And I think that one of the fundamental cornerstones of this whole podcast is to try to debunk some of the thinking that's out there, some of the confidence to shine a light, to say, Hey, listen, look closely at what just happened because it didn't go the way you want it. You know, we've played the game before. Is like, Hey, listen, tell you what, I'm going to give you tomorrow's newspaper and all of the news events that happened without the stock page, you know, without the stock market's reaction. I'm going to give it to you. And I want you to tell me what happened in the stock market based on the news of the day. You know what? We should do that. You should, we should blind ourselves. Like, one or the other of us should just blind ourselves, not read anything for a day. At the end of the day, have the other person present them and say, here are the top five headlines, give me the market closes.
1: Yeah. Well, well, I'm glad you brought this up because it feeds into my next question. And my next question is it's it's a bigger picture question. If we, uh, it's specific to geopolitics, so if we could predict geopolitical events with absolute certainty, would we be able to achieve better investment outcome?
0: No. I could use more words, but had no. I, I can think of half a dozen or more examples just at the top of my head of major world events and major elections, and they were Donald Trump becoming president too. There's just a global pandemic hit. I could, no, I can think of too many major events that were completely unpredictable from their actual net influence on global equity or fixed income markets. So, no, and and this is why when I talk to people who you're so confident, like, about obviously this is going to happen, as soon as you say that, the markets probably already priced it in. It's, it, it's, if it's so obvious, it's already in there. Yeah. And you pointed out very, very eloquently this week in a conversation we were having internally, about it's not guessing what's going to happen next. It's guessing what has the market priced in and then what it's going to be reaction to a surprise one way or the other. Yeah. That's more interesting. Trying to gauge the overall expectations of the market, thing uh, called the market and then understand how it's going to react to surprises, positive value. Yeah. I think that's, that's the more important calculation, but no, I've, I've become completely on, un... uh, I completely do not believe in liability to read a news story and understand what the market reaction is going to be at any moment in time.
1: Yeah. I think you're, you're right in the sense that you can think of a lot of geopolitical events over the last Five to seven years where it happened, and you thought, or I thought, that the market reaction was going to be one way, and it went the complete opposite direction. Like, I I think that that's pretty easy to pick out those examples. Like, Trump being elected is in the quite obvious one. Like, the market was down for literally like an hour after he got elected, (laughs) and then (laughs) it was up from there. And then you could think of Brexit. And then, as we were talking about this, this conflict in the Middle East most recently. Uh, and its effect on oil and, and markets, actually, quite frankly, because markets have been great uh, for the most part since, since that uh, that invasion happened. So, but I, I I still think that could we get we would obviously you give us the geopolitical event with perfect foresight, we we are not going to be perfect on our prediction, and our our investment decisions going forward. But could we be better? than we are without that
0: foresight. Oh, oh, okay. I get it. I get it. Yeah,
1: and I, I I, think, could we be a little bit better? I have to think we could
0: be a little bit better. See, there, there it is. There it is. That's what I was going to say. You have to live in a world <laughs> where more information leads to better decision-making. That's, that's, that's it's not that's more in your information.
1: DNA. It's like a crystal ball.
0: <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So more yeah. insur- information about the future yeah. has to lead to better decision-making. That's the only world that Josh could exist in. You know what? Part of me needs to exist in that role too. right yeah. I, 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 I absolutely, I absolutely get the inclination. I've just been horribly disappointed too often that that part of me's died a little bit, and I've come to accept such you, know, hmm, you know, you know, case You know, the sun's going to come up tomorrow, and you know, we're going to find a way forward.
1: I, I'm with you. The fact that I'm even asking this question is, is is really really oh, it, it's it's eye opening in itself because. If you ask anybody, who's like, well, yeah. If I know what the future is going to be, I'm going to know how to invest for it. It's like, ah, do you? <laughs> you, you, you might not.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so cute, Buttercup. Here, I tell you what, let's play a game. <laughs> but it's, but no, yeah. I, I, I like the game I just came up with. I think that's the future podcast. One or the other must needs to go like in a darko tent for a day or two or something, and yeah. the other person just, okay, I'll read you the headlines. You tell me what happened.
1: Yeah, and you know I, why. We, I thought, We should have have done that because, as you know, I was just away in in Chile and I was in the mountains in Patagonia for three days with really no internet. So it wouldn't have been hard for me to avoid. Because the hard thing for us is trying to actually avoid any mention or semblance of what's going on in the world for even 24 hours uh, as we're looking at phones and talking to other people in the business and all that stuff. But I, I, I like the idea. I like the idea. Because yeah. uh I think it, it it can have some legs. It, I mean, it would be a lot of fun and it would be very eye-opening for us, I think. Oh, I okay. know we'll yeah. make that happen. So next time one of us is off the grid for a few days, gotta come back. First thing we do when you get back, go on, on the podcast and,
0: and uh and we'll do this. Yeah. Yeah, oh absolutely. That, that would be entertaining. Yeah. Good.
1: Any more echo questions for me, Colin?
0: Nope, I said the best they came. Uh, I, I think there's a recurring theme. Like, yeah. I guess we're, we're trying to tie our, our storytelling to current events and questions that are going out okay. there. But underlying the whole thing is just since abandoning, abandoning to the chaos, because, uh, if you fight against that, you end up getting overconfident. and can really make big bad uh, decisions and uh, you know, for us to try to apply you know, and, and point out where the chaos lies and turning against is, is, is kind of the whole point of this thing, And you know, and you're a great job of bringing forward some stories. So hopefully we've been able to uh, shine a light to, to kind of show that, no, we don't know anything about these things, but it's okay. You're going to be okay. Global economy is going to find way straightforward. And, you know, sometimes it's spite or everything.
1: Yeah. So for me, the investment takeaway is plan for multiple different futures and not only multiple different futures, but multiple different investment outcomes based on multiple different futures.
0: The infinity, infinities. Yeah, right. oh, absolutely. And remember this, the most important thing about being a successful investor is not to blow it out. It's not about finding the one right thing or the one right path, or the best. Guy. It's about not blowing it up. If you don't blow it up, you'll be fine.
1: Yeah, going back to what I said, finding that one path that's going to get you out of all of the different future, you just want to be on that one path that's going to get you there at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. Cool, big finish, big finish. Well, we're there, and I think we're we're going to be bad consistently from here on out. Can you say that with confidence, Paul?
0: Absolutely, notwithstanding, I've got to go play a mythical creature from another land for a little bit, but uh, I'll leave it at that.
1: <laughs> Tune in next time. We'll tell you what he's talking about.
0: If you're breaking a sweat, trying to figure out what your financial advisor is talking about, you're not getting the service you need. You probably hate trying to get an answer from them, but you also think moving your accounts will be a headache and it might be, but working with don't rock the boat, wealth, or .ru isn't exactly stress-free, is it? Call us. We will demystify the world for you. Veracan Capital Management, Inc. is a registered portfolio manager in all of Canada except Manitoba. So sorry, Manitoba. Nothing in this podcast should be considered as a solicitation or recommendation to buy or sell a particular security. Statements made by the portfolio managers are intended to illustrate their approach and are meant for information and entertainment purposes only. This should not be construed as legal, tax, or accounting advice. This podcast has been prepared for information purposes only. The tax information provided in this podcast is general in nature, and each client should consult with their own tax advisor, accountant, and lawyer before pursuing any strategy described here in as each client's individual circumstances are unique. We've endeavored to ensure the accuracy of the information provided at the time that it was written. However, should the information in this podcast be incorrect or incomplete, or should the law or its interpretation change after the date of this document, the advice provided may be incorrect or inappropriate. There should be no expectation that the information will be updated, supplemented, or revised, whether as a result of new information, changing circumstances, future events, or otherwise. We are not responsible for errors contained in this podcast, or to anyone who relies on the information contained in this podcast. Please consult your own legal and tax advisor.